Nowadays, we're fascinated with all modern dance, like modern, modern oriental dance. It's not modern. It's all folkloric-based. Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. On today's show I'm happy to welcome Nada El Masriya. Natively Egyptian, she grew up in Cairo. Her first formal dance training began early with her high school's folkloric troupe. At Cairo University, Nada earned a degree in Egyptian law, minored in the history of Egyptian culture and dance traditions, as well as she worked as dancer, assistant instructor and stage director for the law college's folkloric troupe. Trained in the Cairo University under the guidance of Hisham Saleh, she also was selected for the honor of representing Kaina University at the Ismailia International Folkloric Dance Festival twice. At the age of 17, Nada began her intensive training and performance with the prestigious Red Troupe, and over the course of five years, she has toured across Egypt, performing with them in over 100 performances, including full-length shows. She also danced numerous times for several Middle Eastern royal families, the members of the Egyptian government during 6th of October ceremonies, as well as performed numerous times at National Egyptian TV, and was accompanied by well-known Arabic singers such as Nadia Mustafa, Ali El Hagal, Hasham Abbas, and a long list of other artists. In 2002, Nada has immigrated to Canada, and since then she develops her ballet dance career here as well as tours internationally. Currently, she is the owner of dance school, Egyptian Dance Academy, as well as director of a dance troupe based in Toronto, organizer of numerous events including Masriyat Dance Festival and tours, cultural tours across Egypt, as well as she travels internationally to teach and perform all around the globe. In 2010, she was described by Fifty Abdu as the ambassador of Egyptian dance in Canada. So I'm really very excited to have this interview with Nada, not only because she is an amazing dancer who is originally from Egypt, so she shares a lot of insights in the culture today with us, but also because uh, it was the first time I had a chance to record interview with someone in person. So it was a lot of fun, guys. You'll hear us talking and chatting in between and sometimes even talking over each other, so there is it, but uh, I'm pretty sure that you will love all the treasure material that and knowledge that Nada has shared on during this conversation, and I can't wait uh, for you to listen to the interview. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to thank Belladance Evolution for supporting our podcast. 
Balladance Evolution is a revolutionary company that explores, celebrates, and reimagines Middle Eastern and Western dance. Created by Jelena Carlano, they perform across the globe, and you can become a part of their shows too. The casting call is open until July 29th for their latest production, Phantasm 1001 Nights, to be presented in Mexico City. So don't postpone submitting your online application. For more information, head over to their website, balladanceevolution.com. I'm super excited about this interview because uh, it's special in uh, two ways. First of all, this is first interview that I'm recording in person, <laughs> not with someone on <laughs> yeah, Skype or computer. And secondly, uh, I'm so happy to finally have an Egyptian uh, dancer. And what an Egyptian dancer! <laughs> Nada here. Finally, we have uh, um, someone who is coming from the or- country of origin of ballet dance on the podcast and uh, sharing their experience. So thank you for agreeing to participate and uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and pleasure to be interviewed by you. <laughs> so I always start all interviews with uh, sort of a time machine back. <laughs> you know you now as a established dancer who travels all around the world and teach. Uh, but how did dance became your profession? Or I would say, um, obviously you are from Egypt, so dance was a part of your daily life. Dance and music right. was a part of your life. But I know that you have a degree in Egyptian law, but you was minoring in dance history and, and uh, uh, culture. So where was the point that you start thinking about dance a little bit more serious than just something day-to-day thing? Dance was always like a, a combining my, my studying because in, in Egypt it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you're going to become. Education is very important, especially in my family. So like whether you wanted to be a professional dancer or you're you're already pursuing that kind of path of, of uh, learning dance and, and, and dancing. Uh, but my father was demanding that all of us must have degrees, you know. So I I can remember as a really early age, like as six years old and in school, you know, and uh, um, the school I went to in Egypt is, was in Heliopolis, and it was very high in arts. We had actually our own stage and, and the school. We had productions. We had uh, so like from that time, I was involved in productions and acting and in many um, you know facets of, of different elements of arts uh, since I was like six years old. You know, this is uh, beside what you know about Egyptian in general. All we do is dance and eat. That's it, really. <laughs> You know, so they both came together in the same in the same time. I was studying like there was times in university where I was studying and examining and you know finishing my degree, and in the same times I'm involved in a production and rehearsing and all this stuff. So it was it was just like nuts time. Like it was a very crazy time um, of just doing both of them both of them simultaneously. Yeah, together at the same time. So it's, it's been always. Um, my dad was a very nice man and I'm not, I 
like he was really open-minded you know what I mean I'm not gonna say that he was 100% saying yes go ahead go become a dancer because it's never gonna be true with an Egyptian father or an Egyptian mother but he was as much as you did your studying and and succeeded and finished your degree then other things that you want to pursue is okay do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was always, for me, it was always both at the same time. It wasn't like all of a sudden I decided to be a dancer because I was doing my minor law. I was already, um, maybe I wasn't a professional. Well, I started, I started at 17. So at 17, that was like the serious um, studying and learning with Hisham Saleh from the Red Troop, right? Um, but before then, it was more like a you know a kid happy. The you know I'm involved in death, I'm involved in acting, I'm involved in anything to do with arts in general. As 17 starts to become much more clear for me, and um, but but honestly, even at that time, I didn't think I would be an international dancer touring the world. For me, it was just like about it's just a different perspective when you're in Egypt. It's all about you dancing. The whole main element of you is actually dancing, you know? Like all you think about, I want to be a state. You don't even think about costuming. You don't even think about makeup. You don't think about any of these elements. All you're thinking, dance is just something so important to you that you just want to train and dance. But That's specifically it. training? Because dance, you dance in everyday life there. Too. Yes. So what's the but difference in stage. The difference is a stage, yeah. Because when you dance with your family, yes, of course, you were, like for me, I was always uh, sort of like the dancer of the family, even even though everybody dances. But I was the one that when there's a party, everybody waited for me to stand up and dance and like, you know, pushed me, hey, yalla, show us this dance, show us this dance and stuff like that. Uh, But for the training itself, um, it was the, um, to to, to be... uh, to be like your idol, like for me at that time was like Farida Fahmi, of course. Like it was mm-hmm. like, I just want to be on stage like her and that flowing movement and uh, beauty and uh, probably also the respect that came with that, uh, with the folklore troupe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't really happen with the Oriental dance itself. Like it was like all families would sit down and watch Farida Fahmi and respect her, you know, and, uh, and watch the movies over and over and over. So all that kind of made me feel like I want to be on stage too. I want to do the same thing, you know, I want to, I want to do the same footwork. So I used to actually just memorize her footwork. Like I would just, uh, from, from the TV, you know, from like, uh, the Fulkarnak and all the, um, and probably every single folkloric, uh, dancer have started the same way as exactly as I'm saying, you're probably going to hear this story from all of us. <laughs> You but know? you were mostly focusing on folkloric dance, folkloric. Not, not oriental. Yes, yes, yes. Like, of course, the, the Ra'as al-Shari'i, we all danced it at home. Like, it was, like that's what we danced at home, is, uh, is uh, Ra'as al-Shari'i, mm-hmm. oriental dance, you know? But folklore dance was like, it's fascinating because that's more complicated and more footwork and more, it's more intelligent on the, and, and, uh, and the setup, you know? It's so interesting that you're telling us because in more than like belly dance world, like then we are talking about students who learn, who are not from Egypt, who just learn belly dance. There is a lot of always resistance to learning folklore and it's like not official, but in many minds it's considered something simpler, like the Oriental as well. And now hearing from you completely opposite and yeah. you as a representative of culture who grew up and like yeah. saying that folklore is much more difficult, that's very yes. interesting. Yes, absolutely, because um, 
I mean, I don't even need to do, to defend that element because if you think about every single artist who is an Oriental dancer, either she started learning folklore first and then became an Oriental dancer, or she started in cabarets and then after that hired a trainer to train her and give her the footwork mm. because they all understood that without understanding the element of the, the type of the dance, you cannot grow in it. You will only be doing the three-quarter, you know, three-quarter square uh, dance, which is is muscles and um, and textures and feelings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But folklore gives you more of a stage covering uh, footwork. Like nowadays, we're fascinated with all modern dance, like modern modern Oriental dance. It's not modern. It's all folkloric based. Bring me any of the new artists that is dancing now and look at their footwork related straight to folklore. Mm -hmm. Every single move, you know? Like why we have the estarad, which is the beginning of a mise-en-scene, is so fascinating now, instead of just chanet, 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 right? Is because they have taken so many elements from folklore. Arabesque, parabrais, all this stuff is all from Egyptian folklore, which is, of course, from the legendary Mahmoud Rida. Every single one that is successful and appealing, to the, especially to the Western culture, you know, with the speed and the too much travel and stuff like that is because they're completely inspired or, or originally based on the Egyptian folklore. Without that, what, what would we do? Like, what would we do? Would be, would be the entire song standing, um, you know, doing melodic movement and some shimmies. That's it. There's no inter interactive uh, motions of display on stage. I kind of feel that's such a shame that in today's ballet dance training we kind of skip this layer. Because I was, me as a foreign <laughs> non-Arabic dancer who was trained in Ukraine originally and then later traveling workshops, I kind of felt we skip this layer, this part of training explanations. Okay. We right away learn those steps as an oriental, a ballad yeah. and steps. Yeah. And there is a lot of resistance going and learn some folkloric Folklore. steps. And you start like, oh yeah, I know this step from my ballad dance class. But no, it's actually opposite. It comes from folklore. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a shame. It's a, it's a very... Uh, I think it's a shame because international and um, dancers from all over the world now, they're fascinating, they're, their skills are fascinating, but I feel like they hit roadblock, like I say, mm -hmm. a roadblock, where they just stopped right there and there's no more development. And I really think, and a true believer, it's because of folklore. Because when you, when you build a one floor house, that does not have a foundation, you cannot go beyond that one floor. That's a nice comparison. Right? But if you have a good, strong foundation, you have so much to offer the world. Like, you have so much information that it's enough for another hundred years to come. You probably, I'll probably be dead before I, I give all what I have inside, inside my head. Do you know what I mean? And it's because the foundation is strong. I have so many ideas, you know, I have so many repertoires, I have so many um, uh, character, I have so many, you know, and it's all, I thank folklore for it. I thank folklore for it because it taught me so much. It taught me a very intelligent footwork. It taught me understanding 
the differentiation between a movement in Oriental, in, in Ras al-Sharqi, versus in folklore. The character changing between a modern, a modern Cairo woman, right, versus a different city in Egypt, a different city. Even within Cairo itself, the variation of different character and stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like, all of this is the culture and the folkloric aspect of it. How, how, how am I supposed to, and this is something I always ask dancers, how are you supposed to um, do a, and drop dead gorgeous, absolutely stunning mise-en-scene if you don't understand the characteristic behind the music that you're dancing to? Because this music comes from a cultural perspective, comes from folklore. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do a little bit of Saidi there, it wouldn't be worth it to understand who is the Saidi woman, what her fo floor footwork look like, what, uh, you know, what, or at least what's the representation of her. Like we understand the real character in real life, but also we understand the representation of her on stage, what it, what it looks like. Especially because not only all music comes from folklore roots, but even within ballad and songs today, we have some sections that are clearly folkloric. Lot to understand. A lot in many in many elements. And and how many times I'm going to do like am I going to be like as an international artist? Am I going to be just dancing every single time, just me saying? Come on. After 10 years, people will be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Probably you, you yourself will be bored before you do that. No kidding, you know. Do you have any favorite folkloric styles of yours? Oh my God, that's so difficult. <laughs> Can be several. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll give several, but one is so difficult. You know what? Um, folklore is so interesting because... Um, folklore is like acting. Um, it's like it's like being an actor and an, an actress, you know. Because, for example, in Oriental dance, when you do your mise en scène, it's definitely Yana, it's definitely Nada. It's your personality. It has to come across that this is Nada, this is Yana, this is except, of course, the variation of musicality within it, right? But when you're doing a character, whether a character, because there's a big difference between a character and folklore totally different categories, okay? Mm. So whether you're repertoiring a, ca a character or whether you're repertoiring um, a, uh, an event or you're repertoiring a, a folkloric historical piece, those are all three different elements in folklore, okay? Those three elements, when you're doing them, you are completely an actress, because you are not you. It's not Nada, it's not Yana. It's definitely that person that grew up in this particular city, in that particular, uh, under these circumstances, under this musicality, under this, all this stuff. And that's what you're bringing out. And I always say that, um, for me, I've always been fascinated with being so many different character. And maybe that's why I'm absolutely obsessed with folklore, mm -hmm. because of that. But I always, because I always saw myself serious and um, I, I like to think I, I like elegance, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So I always thought like, oh, Moshahat is my favorite style and that's what I like. I like strong woman, so I like Saidi, I like Moshahat, you know. Uh, however, people always see you completely in what they see you. And that's what is the true essence of your character or your gift, not character, because you are different, you are not. Nada is different than, than those characters, you know? 
And it was shocking to me, like absolutely shocking to me that I would be known for ballet. Like of all the styles, like if people actually know me outside of dance, they would be like this truly conflict because I am not, I'm very, I'm actually very shy in real life with my husband, you know, I'm very, um, like I'm not, I'm not very spoken and flirty. I'm, I'm like probably the only Egyptian that is not flirtatious because Egyptian women love to be flirt, flirting all the time. You know, I probably the only Egyptian that doesn't flirt much. I have three sisters. I'm like the oldest and I'm the shyest of all of them. Like, it's just bizarre, right? Yet, people characterize you in what you're really truly good at because you think you like this, but you're actually good at something else. You know what I mean? It's so funny because I was so much expecting you to tell ballet. I was like, yes, yes, I knew it. <laughs> and now you're telling completely different. Yes. Like, like I saw your performance with Moshad, but to me, like I was like, no, she might, she probably will tell ballet. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it's it's really actually it's so funny because David, my husband, um, when he watches me in ballet, he always like sort of like turns his head and he says, I would like to meet this woman. <laughs> I really would like to meet this woman. You know? Yeah, because it's, it's very completely, and I've heard, like, I mean, in acting, I've always heard that people excel in their opposites in acting, in like character, mm. like an actress and stuff like that. Like usually when we see somebody who's really good at particular character, whether evil or like whatever, they're usually actually the extreme opposite of that, um, of that character. And maybe that's, that's why, but absolutely did not choose ballet. Still shocking to me, like, because for me, I'm, I'm, I'm small, I'm thin, you know, I, you know what I mean? Like I like... I try with modern modern costumes to try to keep my costume not so revealing, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm like, actually, the conservative sort of more idea. So for me, it's like, okay, Saidi and Moshahat. I like to be excited. I'm crazy. I'm definitely crazy. I love crazy uh, dancing. I like Shabi. Absolutely like Shabi, you know, and Moshahat. But no, it's Baladi. So strange. Since we start talking about Valerie, I remember a couple of months ago we had a very interesting conversation with you, maybe half a year even ago. Tell us, what is wrong with the term modern Valerie? Oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. It doesn't exist. That's what's wrong with it. <laughs> but we have this style that now everyone is using as a modern Valerie, which is not folkloric, but everyone sort of uses that. So, and I remember we had very interesting discussion that you point very interesting I'd like, things. I'd like to see, like, what's, what's, tell me about a, a very old culturally dance of your culture that exists. Like, you mean Ukrainian? In, in Ukraine, yeah. Uh, I don't know, go park. Okay, can we have a modern version of it? Can we have a modern It depends what you call it old and what you call modern because everything that we are performing today is modern because it's a representation of modern people. Even we are reflecting on the history traditions. But, well, with folklore is not like that. No, it's not. Because with folklore and characters, and particular characters, 
This is a story of a particular character that existed in a particular time. I'm not uh, remaking that character and living it again now in 2018. I'm actually going back and living that character. Do you see what I mean? So, so for that, there's no such a thing called a modern ballady. Ballady is a, it's like a, it's a history. If you say a 1950, such and such an event happened, you cannot take this event, bring it now and say, this event is now 2018. It cannot happen. It's an historical event that happened a long time ago, has its own musicality, has a music, has its own elements, its own environment, you know, and the whole surrounding of the idea happened at that time, at that area, at this place. So when I bring it now to represent it, I cannot say I'm, I'm going to modernize. I'm, I'm, if you modernize it, then it's not it. Then it's not baladi. It's something else. It's not, you are not that baladi woman unless you're doing futuristic uh, uh, movies, right? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's totally, totally does not make sense in any, in any way does not make sense. You know, the reason of the character is a character that lived, that lived in this particular place at that particular time, you know, now we're getting extent of that idea, right? But still, still happening in some, in some, uh, in some shabby areas and public areas there, right? Where this is the description of the character. This is how she acted. This is how she did this. This is how she did that. The music that, um, that she would that she would react to would be happen in a ceremony or a weddings on this that would be this kind of music that happened at that time so how come I can take history and completely make it not history it does not make any sense in any way and because of that if I'm going to talk about a history if I'm going to talk about uh, I'm trying to, to think about like a, a very important event that happened in the world you know, uh, in history and taking it and totally changing everything about it, then I'm totally destroying history. I'm totally destroying, I'm actually false informing people. I am destroying the right piece of history and I don't know what I'm doing because I'm not calling it modern also. I'm not calling it, this is something has nothing to do with biology. I'm saying this is biology, modern, modern biology. Does that make sense? It's like completely weird for, 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 anybody, for anybody who understand or came from that part of the world. It's like, there's no such a thing. A modern, if the woman, if the Baladi woman now wears modern clothes, she's not Baladi. Hmm. Defeats the purpose. If the, the Baladi woman now dances to uh, rock and roll, she's not Baladi. She's not Baladi anymore. Do you know what I mean? So that's where it's wrong. It's not, it doesn't exist. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, but it doesn't exist. I, I advise anyone that's doing that is just listen, take credit for your invention and say it's mine. Don't, don't, don't push it on Egyptians because they've invented enough. They don't need any. Take, take credit and say this is my, my invention inspired by. Invest, um, invent your own then stuff. Yes. And inspired by, you can always say inspired because we're all inspired. The whole world, we're always inspired by things. There's so many Egyptian, uh, you know, songs, Abdel Wahab composition that completely inspired by classical music. It's no shame in it. 
you know, the guy was obsessed with classical music. But just say, this is my invention. He said, this is my invention. I am making revolution into Egyptian music. That's what he said. He took credit for it. Mm-hmm. Do you know? That's what I advise with the ballad. But no, please, no modern. I don't know what modern ballad. More, if modern ballad is an excuse for you to wear two pieces, you don't need that excuse. Just don't call it ballad and you can wear a bikini if you want. <laughs> it's so funny how like... So many dancers even understanding all these trends and history and uh, traditions and how we're supposed to, look, to follow them. And at the same time, sometimes it's this random like occasion that you start using this term for something completely not related really to, to the root, but it sort of comes confusing from historical point yeah. of view, like what's this modern reality? But everyone sort of knows... Uh, Uh, use it for indicating specific movements, specific uh, music, specific style, although there's kind of this inside conflict, but why you call it modern ballady? Like, what's what's this? It's just very interesting. If you change the moves, it's not ballady. If you change the costume, it's not ballady. If you change the the music, it's not ballady. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't take something, take everything out of it, and then still call it the same thing that it's, that was named. It just does not make sense. It's, خلاص, you changed, you changed what it is, then give it a new name. Right. That's, and that's what's happening. It's, um, I mean, the, the, the couple of circumstances where I saw Modern Ballad and I was curious, I clicked on the video to see, okay, I want to see what their idea of Modern Ballad. Uh, somebody was wearing two pieces. They were doing Shanae's and Arabesques. Um, they were doing like I mean full Chinese mm-hmm. you know because you can do you can do a turn on, and ballet it's not a big deal but when you're doing a triple H Chinese and, and, and doing this I said if a ballet woman <laughs> could give those Chinese she'll be sitting in the <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be sitting with the um, most modernized uh, concert 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 or something she'd be sitting head, be the head of that uh, <laughs> you know play but she's not she's very raw like sugar she's a raw sugar mm-hmm. she's an earth and it can be she is um, she is true Egypt she's true Egypt mm-hmm. because she's supposed to be the element of no modernization. She's like the opposite of modern, do you know? She's held the culture and the traditions as deep to its root as possible. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what, a, that's what a ballad woman is. Is a woman that lives by what is there in every element and in every way. She does not know anything about the Western world. She does not know anything about the exterior world. Her world is where she is, her environment, you know? And that's why she is um, no inspiration, no, 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 nothing. Um, everything in her is true earth, true earth, you know? Of Egyptian earth, because different earth has different flavor and different things, right? Different cu- culture and different countries, right? And and that's what the what the valid woman is is. is a unique character. We cannot if, if we start stripping those elements out of her, then it's not her. Mm-hmm. You know why? Why such a? If I can make a modern ballad myself, then I would have started by myself and not. Uh, you know, I, I find her. Um, her sensuality is, is overwhelming for me as a person, you know, 
I would have stripped this and said, modern life, we don't care about this, honey. You know? <laughs> but I'm forced to dig into that and be that... I'm, for God's sake, I gain weight to play that characters. You know? I gain weight. I, I Believe it or not, if I'm going to Egypt and I'm going to dance ballady, I gain weight before I go. I eat like a monster. So I can repertoire that because that's elements of of how the view of the femininity back then what looked like in this part of the world do you know mm -hmm. so here am i going back to to you know to to where the character is and then there's other people modernizing it and and putting triple chanets and stuff no it's it's um i don't think it's respectable in a sense i understand that they're artists and they have a view and they want to bring it out but I think because they are decent artists, they should also respect the fact that they are responsible for history. That's what we are. Now that we are, you know, calling ourselves professional, if you call yourself professional, this does not come for free. You just doomed yourself. It's, you better say I'm a student so you can make all the mistakes you want. <laughs> you know? But the minute we accept that title and we take it from people, we are very responsible. We have to understand that every single thing we do, everybody looks at us and says, why? Why? Why are you depriving history? Why are you taking history uh, and, and uh, polluting it and just, uh, you know, and teaching new generation? Because the new generation, you're saying, yes, of course, if I am authority, and I go to Korea and tell everybody I'm going to teach you modern, modern uh, ballad, right? Of course, everybody will believe what I'm doing, and then they'll start spreading it to their students. Their students spread it to other students, and then we are ended with completely wrong information. Unless somebody else comes and say, "Hey, you know, come on, this is not uh, doesn't exist." <laughs> I'm always very curious in these situations how it happened the first time because it's I bet it yeah. probably was someone's not joke maybe it. Or, yeah it just yeah. happened but somehow yeah. like we have this like maybe they even meant the music this is a new music or maybe just because there was yeah. accordion element that yeah. someone maybe connected someone like put, yeah. you know how uh, even in Baladins, we don't have real terminology that is standardized, that everyone is using the same terminology for mm -hmm. describing movements. There's and, no names, yeah. Yeah, and probably some teachers, they just invent, to, not even invent on yeah. purpose, just to indicate to their students, okay, now they are going to this movement and they just come yeah. up with some names. But then yeah. their students start using yeah. it, then they spread it, and it yeah. goes like viral. Yeah. So I'm really curious about this kind of situations uh, and... Uh, Confusions is these terms because it's not even about dance itself. I think it's about time just to rename and give proper yeah. acknowledgement to everything. Like everything has place to to and, be. and use use the right like every single element of of uh, or character or folklore style or oriental dance has a has a good dictionary that goes with it. That that you know even though sometimes I hear a ballet music I'm like oh my god I could do triple shani here. I can't do triple shani here because that's not the character. So you kind of push yourself into the box of where this element of this character is. And we have to respect it because we know, I know that if I dance it and a fellow artist from Egypt watch it, they'll be like, really? And which ballad woman did she do that? 
Do you know what I mean? So this is a, this is another thing. Not because your imagination is wandering and the music uh, gives you the effect of what you want to, your movement and stuff, that you mean that you have to do it. No, no, no. The main discipline is sticking with the terminology of this, of this idea. Mm-hmm. Because they give us oriental dance and Rasa Shari, we do whatever we want. We add in folklore, nobody says anything. We add rumba and samba, nobody says anything. We add inspiration from all dances, you know, whatever, polka, Russian dance, nobody says anything. You do a hair toss and all the, you know, the, the Russian style, nobody says anything. It's okay. This is, you know, go for it. This is, is evolving with the circumstances and the environment, you know? And it's up to you to how, how close you can stay to the roots with that. It's up to you, you know, because it's your expression stuff. But folklore? No, 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 no. You cannot touch it. It's history. Mm-hmm. It's a book. It's already done, you know. And, and I think this is, this is where is a, big, uh, is, a, is a big deal. And I'm, unfortunately, too, like, because of English barrier, a lot of Egyptian artists cannot phrase this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they speak, it's hard. Sometimes you misunderstand what they're saying. Like I've, I've had, even in, in Masriat, where a teacher is trying to explain something, you know what I mean? And um, Egyptians always like to be independent, so they want to speak English. You know, they don't want anyone to translate for them. But what happened in the opposite is like that their, their English comes across the opposite of the idea they want to say. Because you know how language is yeah. not easy, right? And stuff. And because of that, it's not, it's not helping too, because people are confused. They sit and they're like, oh my God, I, I completely misunderstand what, what she's trying to say or what he's trying to say. So I think this is also something that us Egyptians, artists, we need to either have a really good translation like system or just learn English very well so we're able to, to identify them, the wording and uh, explaining it more clear to, to the world, you know, so everybody, so there's no confusion. What is your approach to this all new terms, like we are talking, okay, there is Egyptian ballad and there is Turkish ballad dance, but there is also these terms like Russian ballad dance, Argentinian ballad dance, American ballad dance. Does it have place to be or is it something... If we are talking, obviously not about folklore now, we're yeah, talking about oriental. About oriental. Yeah. What, what's your personal approach? Like? I, don't, I don't know, actually. This is something that, that I, th- I think a lot about, you know, and um, I, I, I feel quite confused with it a little bit sometimes. And, I mean, I understand um, that your environment will affect your tableau, your art, you know. And uh, your background information will have element into this, whether you want it or not. And um, I think the only problem is sometimes we use this as an umbrella for mistakes. That's it. I, I don't mind. I don't mind. Listen, I don't mind um, whatever they want to call it. Oriental, particularly. I don't care. You want to. You want to call it Russian style. You want to call it whatever. You know. Um, I think we all, or, or at least the world, we cannot trace where, it, where belly dance comes from. So let's all agree on that. We don't know where belly dance comes from. But we all also agree that the hub of it is Egypt. 
hence everybody wants to learn with Egyptian artists or hire Egyptian artists, whatever, right? And stuff. So if we agree on that, then if this is our highest point of that we look at, you know what I mean? And our highest compliment to be like, oh my God, I'm completely Egyptian in the way I dance. Then my goal should be to try as close, to be as close to roots as possible, right? Hypothetically. But we're artists and people have their own view in their heart, their own view from their culture. And belly dance now is international. It's not, it's now, yes, Egypt is the hub. Egypt is, you know, still reviving with every single point of it in, in, in the art form and stuff. But now there's so many countries that united from all over the world and the same mission, which they love belly dance or they love Rasishari. So I think allowing a little bit of a space for personal expression is something important mm -hmm. for art to survive and for art to evolve and for art to grow. You know, so having um, some expression of a different culture uh, embedded with it, we've done this a long time ago anyway. We were all uh, picking up from the Western stuff, right? And we're adding movement and things in there. So it's not new to, to Ras al you know, it's not new to it. But taking something, executing it wrong and calling it it's because it's Russian style or it's because of that, this is where the problem is. This is where the umbrella is, you know? So if, I, if you have, um, uh, I think, I personally think the main problem with dancers now is not that they're calling this is Russian style or Turkish style, Lebanese style, whatever style, whatever, 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 Argentinian style, you know? I don't think terminology is useless, is useless, useless, you know? I think the problem now is that we're not, we're not understanding the music. And the music is old and cannot be changed, is not changing. We still, until now, doing mise-en-scene pretty much similar to what happened, you know, 50 years ago. Maybe a little bit more before 50 years, it was different, but the element was still, still the same, you know? It's just the speed that has changed, right? And I think this is where the dancer's problem is. Dancers do not study Egyptian music and they really don't understand it. They really, I honest to God, I see it all the time. I see a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous dancer, absolutely technique is exquisite, really professional, really hard in the art form and really dedicated to the art form. And nobody of us enough, Egyptian artists, telling them, um, we inherited understanding Egyptian music because we grew up in it and then we studied it and we practice it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not studying, I'm not saying studying it as a musician. I did study it as a musician. I studied from a perspective of a dancer and I think this were the main element of the so many dancers, they'll be dancing the piece and then a, a section comes and the dancer does not understand the structure of the music. So for that, her choreography does not, does not make sense. Okay, or this maqam here, or this mood here, or this uh, historical element in this particular feel of this section of the music, she doesn't know. So how can she express it? How can she say it? If I bring a piece of um, Ayub, let's say, Ayub rhythm with a, um, uh, with a sad plate from a maqam sabah, 
I have six million stories in my head that I've seen in movies, that I've seen in my family's drama that I can associate with that section. So for that, when I dance that section, the emotion involved into the movement creation is going to make a big difference in what movement I'm going to choose, in what feeling I'm going to put, in what the speed is, and all this kind of stuff. If a dancer does not know all this element and doesn't have that visual, visual aspect to draw from, how can she even draw from? All she's going to do something, your hip flap, hair flaps, you know, flips, or whatever you guys call it, flips, right? Hair flips, or turn, 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 because somebody told her what the zikr is and what zar is. <laughs> do you know, do you understand what I mean? And that's all she's going to do, and this is if we're lucky, because some don't even know what a zar is and what a zikr is and what a rhythm is, and you may have some nice shimmies happening there with a beautiful smile <laughs> as somebody's tickling me in that maqam, in that mood, you know? <laughs> Dancers who may not be familiar with terminology, and I know I personally discovered this world of macams and like things only when I moved to Canada. In Europe, I don't know now, maybe there are a lot of teachers who teach it, but five, seven, eight years ago, I had no idea around what existence. So for people who may not be familiar with this whole layer of belly dance, can you I know it's a huge topic, yeah. but can you try to give a little sort of overview? What is makam from dance point of view, from the dance importance? Simple. See, from musicality um, element, uh, the definition is huge and need a sophisticated person like George Sawa to say it, you know? Um, but I can, I can try my best to just say where the note is played, the lyrics, the way that it's played, the atmosphere of which it's played, like at least four or five elements that affects that. Maqam is not important for a dancer in the sense of like, I don't need to memorize all the maqams, I don't need to understand it. This is something that the, 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 the musicians knows how they're going to enter this phrase from which, from which maqams to give the flavor that they are, they are aiming for or the... Uh, or the end shape of the sound, you know? But for a dancer, it's the mood of the music. And the mood is not just sad, happy, exciting, blah, blah, blah. It's not just how you feel. It's the culture element embedded into that phrase. Because you have to understand that our music is very old. And because it's very old, it comes with stories. And because it comes with stories, it comes with element and environment. And understanding all these four layers is what creates the right presentation of that phrase or those two phrases or that section in the music while you are repertoireing it on stage. Mm -hmm. And this is a big element. How to achieve that? Well, if, if not, even not all Egyptians, not all Egyptians will understand it this way. They may know it unconsciously, but not consciously. Mm -hmm. And when you're a dancer, you need to know it both ways, consciously and unconsciously, you know? But for, for a Western dancer who has not grew up in Egypt, did not grow up with the music, she needs to involve herself into the culture, which means, and I always say that, the only reason I understand Western culture is because when I was six years old, all I did watched 
American movies. And I could understand, okay, when he does this, what he means. And when he, you know, I, I picked up body language. I picked up jokes. I picked up uh, humors. I picked up all the stuff. And that's why when I came here, I'm like, okay, I, I totally understand how the, you know, Western cultures goes, right? And Egyptian is the same. If you watch a lot of Egyptian movies from old to new, you're going to understand way more about Egypt than you think you will. Number two is studying the music. And again, studying it from a perspective of a dancer. Now, okay, everybody may tell me where, and I agree with them. There's not so many opportunities for, um, for somebody who understands what the Western dancers need and how to deliver it with their way of thinking that they can observe it easy and they accumulate faster so they can go on with their career. Because I'm not going to tell you you must live 30, 30 years in Egypt to consume what I consumed. You know what I mean? Because that's illogical and irreasonable. That means you're going to retire when you're 100 because you don't have time to start your career. You know? But understanding how to... Those opportunity is something that all us Egyptian artists need to provide. Really need to provide. Unfortunately... And this is something I'm, I'm, I've, I've always been big, have a big passion in it, in trying to give the opportunity to, to non-native uh, Egyptian dancer, not, non, non-native dancers uh, in music. But the problem is it costs a lot of money because you have to hire musicians. And uh, if you're outside of Egypt, it's much more difficult because having a Lebanese musician isn't going to give you the same understanding, same as an Egyptian musician, totally different cultures. Like, yes, you may name us, those are the Arabs, but we're completely different. Egypt particularly is so much different from any Arabic country in music and cultures and everything, you know? So understanding that element and studying from that perspective and, and bringing artists, Egyptian artists saying, okay, this is enough teaching choreography, please, please, can I say to Egyptian artists and everybody, please, enough. Enough teaching choreographies. You know what? We need to understand what we're doing. The, the artists, Western artists need to understand their music. They need to understand it. They need to understand what they're dancing to, how to dance it. What does that mean? What's the cultural perspective? You know, what's here? How? Uh, all this element is what the world is missing right now. I tried a lot in Canada here, but like I say, working with just a few musicians and uh, non Egyptians is not easy. It's not easy to to uh, to get the point across, and also it's expensive. So artists find it very un, um, uh, you know, finan- financially not very affordable, or they also like folklore. They don't think it's important. I want to come learn a choreography so I can perform it. I'm going to come learn music uh, lesson, music lesson for dancers. What am I going to do with that? They, they, they don't look for for um, future, right? And that. But I guess it's the difference. Are you looking for fish or are you looking for skills to learn how to fish. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the, the, the sad part though, and this is something really sad in me in, in, in the whole art form in general, is that when someone 
Like for me, for example, I want to learn Isis Wings, okay? I suck at it, I don't know what the hell is that about, but anyway, you know, I know I can, as a dancer, I can put a YouTube video <laughs> and learn how to move that, but would I really understand the elements of it and the skills just by imitating without understanding the implication of how and what? Because I saw that workshop that you give here once in my studio, I remember a while ago, like a when you first came to Canada and I remember looking at you explaining some of the elements and I'm like yes when people are skills they are skills they are skills that's their forte go for them to learn from them it doesn't matter how big an international artist I am how big if this is a subject that I want to learn and I don't want to know and I know somebody else is skilled in it I should be humbled to go there and say please teach me that because I'm thinking of doing that that element and this where the ego uh, comes there. Like, come on. If someone is skilled at something, don't be shy. It doesn't matter how famous you are or what you are. Don't be shy to go ask. This is something I respected so much in my, the old generation of artists in Egypt. I remember being on the bus with Aida Noor and uh, some musicians uh, from Egypt. Um, from the opera, from uh, our opera house, and uh, I remember her like asking all these questions that um, you know about this rhythm and this this and this that and stuff. And I was like, oh, look! And she's been dancing for how many years, and she's still hungry for more information and not shy to be told, hey, you've been dancing for 50 years. You should really not ask any question. And I admire that so much. I really admire that. I just sat there just listening to her and learning more with him, you know, because I thought this was like a great example for me to be like, never, ever, ever feel, you will never know everything. This is something you are not the first, even on this podcast, oh, talking really? about this trend, because uh, mm. it's sort of a trended line that if you are talking about beginners or intermediate dancers, who, students, we are so hungry to perform. Yes. Just doing choreography, like, I don't care, like, yeah. what's that? just give me choreography so I can learn and put yeah. this costume and perform. But those people who cross the line and go to more serious and get in successful career, yes. they become hungry for more knowledge, more and more. And I keep right? hearing from so many professionals yes. that even after so many years of already successful career, they still yeah. go to workshops, they still yes. hire teachers yes. and study and obviously not to yeah. teach choreography yes they yes. want skills so they yes. don't want fish they want fish yes. skills and yet and yet 90 percent of our festivals around the world you know and i'm not i'm not i'm guilty as charged with masriyat is choreographies you know is choreographies and you're thinking okay we need choreographies for intermediate because without imitation you cannot learn intermediate are like beginners in, in the world of professionalism, right? If they don't imitate, they cannot learn. They need to imitate a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and then they become an adult, you know? And then at the adult state, that's when you need to discover who you are and you need to learn all the skills that need to groom you and keep learning those skills because they are never gonna stop. They are never gonna stop, you know? And that's where, that's where, that's where you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping in, in next year, 2019, you know? 
as one of the big thing I want to I'm, I'm working on right now and organizing is a, is a big um, live music course in Egypt in Egypt yes and actually the tour is already 70% sold out Yes, yes. You know, you know what I mean. And I want to get expertise. I have my expertise in sections, but I need expertise in other sections that I don't know. You know what I mean? I need. I'm gonna bring more artists from Egypt to show us from different perspective, working with musician and music and and details of music. A whole week immersing ourselves in that and performing in the end. Mm. So what does it yeah. look like? Because I saw an announcement that you're organizing a tour to Egypt. Yes. I did not connect that it's... So I didn't I didn't uh, put it out yet. I were actually just organizing. That's why I'm really not supposed to just throw it out like this, but I'm too excited, I think. I think I'm too excited. Um, right now, we're, I'm just contracting the musicians. So we just finished contracting the musician last night, actually. Uh, the head musician called me and said, okay, I'm ready with all details and the contracts are signed and uh, stuff. So what's going to happen is um, what I like, and, and this is what the goal is, is to have a whole week of dance uh, with, with uh, live music. Um, but not just dancing, learning and then practicing, learning and practicing. It's like we're rehearsing. It's like is a, a higher, um, it's to the higher level of our level to understand how to work with the musician and let's take that piece and discuss it and how it's built and how it's done and then take elements of musicality and discuss it and then take different band of music so I'm going to work Saidi piece I want to work with Saidi musicians you know I want to work a, a oriental, oriental band I'm going to work on a, with an oriental band you know I'm mm -hmm. going to so like all the element that comes to um to, to visualize and make you understanding because so many times I try to explain music from a CD and I, the structure of the music but because they've never seen an orchestra work together it's hard to understand like for me I can sit and I understand okay main drummer versus uh, supportive drum versus the, the rest of the drummers who's doing what and who's answering or what, who's ca carrying what I can see them in front of me and when I'm dancing when I'm hearing the piece I can see them visually mm -hmm. so I can read the phrases easily right but for someone who've never worked with a band that big it's hard for them to understand these details hard for them to understand when you're dancing how is the orchestra coming together? What are you dancing to? And how? And what is, what's happening? What is this doing versus this? And what is this? And there's so much, so much wrong information. I just saw a big star, no names of course, because I love them, respect them, but I was quite shocked. And they were shimming for almost three well, no, I'm going to exaggerate. That's exaggeration. Three minutes. Nobody's going to shoot me for three minutes. But you know what I mean? What it felt for me a really, really long time, right? And uh, the melody was beautiful. It was beautiful happening. And uh, that artist was just holding the main bass, uh, bass uh, rhythm. The, the mistake that I always tell my students, don't you ever do it. Don't you ever do it, you know? And I was just like thinking, this is embarrassing to me. I felt embarrassed. I felt like I was just embarrassed, you know? And these are the things that we need to um, educate every artist, every artist that understands music like listen, 
this is what you're dancing to. This is what the flavor is. And this is, and he, here where, where your little um, circle of artistic choices, because you have, you have base and then you have your artistic choice because it's not like a one plus one equal two. No, no, no. It's one plus one equal two. But if you want to make it one plus one equal 1.3 a quarter, it's fine. It's fine because that's what music is. That's why our music is quarter notes and very tiny notes because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not like this. And this is so important. I feel that I don't want to say it this way because I think us Egyptian, we're really proud of every single Western artist who dedicated their life and I see it all the time. I see it all the time when I travel with all like the, the, the international artists, how much they kill themselves in that art form. And I feel like I'm so honored that you are respecting my art form and you're taking your whole life to it. And I'm sure all Egyptians feel the same. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Egyptians do not mean to, to block Western artists from growing, you know? Um, I, I, I just don't really think they know how. And I, I, I feel because I've lived among you guys here so many years now, I feel like I understand you way more than, than, many, than many people. And I feel that the next step for all Western artists, you want to, you want to be, Egypt has always been the Hollywood of the East. <laughs> We've always had so many, nine, almost, almost majority of our famous artists are not Egyptians. You can do it too in belly dance, you know? But there's a ro roadblock and that roadblock needs to be fixed by music. You need to learn music. You need to, to, to follow. I need me, I feel like this is my message now. It's like I need international artists to discover themselves. I am sick of seeing imitation. I am sick of seeing copies. I am sick, um, and I know I'm not blaming them. To be honest, I'm not blaming them because some of us have made them believe that this is what they should look like. Mm. I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming you guys. I'm just saying, no, you are much better. Your personality is much more beautiful. You know, and I, I see some of you have raised above that and I see the result is absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. And I think this is what, what's next. Next, music culture. Still, of course, you need choreographies and you need inspiration of movement steps. But you know what? I'll tell you something. If you learn folklore, you will not need anybody. Hmm. You will not need anybody. You will be the inspiration instead of finding somebody else to inspire you on footwork. You know? So music, folklore, and the culture. Those are the three elements that if the dancer discovering who you are and finding your real message, your real message, you know, your real message of, of your personality, who are you and where do you belong and where do you want to go with that? And that really is you. And I'm going to, I'm going to really focus on that for everybody. Uh, I can only say it's so refreshing to hear it from you, from... I guess you have a very unique mix, you Egyptian artists who raised there, but you spend a lot of time, not just touring, but living in outside of Egypt. Yeah. So you kind of have this perspective, like some of the things that you were like telling, like it was surprising for me to hear, I was like, I, I, ex I did not expect you will 
take these points or that points and it's very refreshing to hear and the only thing I can add like you kind of gave this not a permission like you take the blame out like of artists going in the wrong way sometimes of copying but at the same time even we as a non-Egyptian or not native Egyptian dancers yes we kind of have a right to do mistakes. It, we kind of have an excuse. But at the same time, if you call yourself professional, you need to take responsibility still for your mistakes. It's true. Yes, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily telling everybody, hey, <laughs> go make mistakes. We are the one to blame. We're the Egyptians. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that any anything that goes wrong is usually two people is not one person mm. you know but that's exactly what i'm yeah. thinking like how refreshing is yeah. to hear because yeah. i don't know because of english barrier or just approach in my personal experience whatever i hear mostly from egyptian artists it's not that um how to say inviting foreign dancers to develop in their own ways it's more usually like oh this is egyptian and you need to follow egyptian style so that's why i was saying i think english i think i honestly honestly the biggest dancer um they're very very well respected for me as well and i i hear them when they speak the broken english I myself am Egyptian and I don't understand what they're trying to say. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's just English. I mm -hmm. think their their message is clear and it's probably like me exactly and they think like me exactly. I think it's just because of English and they're not really getting to a word. My advice to my Egyptian artists is like, please find the right translator for you because this is, it's not getting across. You, you think they understand you, everybody nods because they love you, but they really didn't understand anything or they understand you completely wrong, you know? Yeah. And advice for Western dancers also to keep this in consideration because I yes. heard that I saw such a commercial yes. like yes. twists or those phrases or words that is like, ah, yeah no no they they need i think we need to understand that um egyptian they they don't want to block it's where honestly i've spoken to many egyptian artists like many any any of the names that everybody knows you know and we, we we oftenly speak just like you know after shows and we just sit down and gossip because we we like you know to speak about the art 24 7 basically and all of them really means the same they they say they're so proud of seeing the international world like reviving and really excite, exciting and really um, that belly dance and oriental dance and folklore that have made it like international like that and um, and they 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 always say we just want to see more um, more 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 understanding the knowledge and the culture. And they're, I mean, it's the same thing that I just said, no modern ballad, the same, the same criticism, you know what I mean, that, that we have. And I think, I think it's, they will, all, all of us too, like, I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I've been here for how many years and the last couple of years I've been like, oh my God, okay, I think we're approaching this completely wrong. I think we're, you know, I was correcting technique and the movement and feelings, the movement and where the movement coming from and stuff. And it's, it's applicable. It's true. It's right. But wait a minute, all this like beautiful dancer now know the technique, but they're still doing something wrong. Where is it? It's here. Because we're always growing with you guys. We're, we're, we're dancers. We're originally dancers. 
not teachers. Everybody must understand that. All of us originally was dancers. The idea of teaching the art form did not exist before the international world came around. We did not, we learned for Chloreus, but we didn't learn Oriental like Ras Shari. It was something that you inherited and you, you just saw this person and you emitted the move and then you, you trained by yourself and you tried and you tried and tried. So you have to also give us that, uh, a break on that because we are growing while you are growing. We are growing in what information we need to give you while you're growing in what you need from us. So it's, it's a two-way. We're both in, in it together. And we both need to figure out what's needed next so we can support each other. We cannot blame each other. If we start blaming each other, then we will never grow, you know? But if we start like, hey, you know, tell me what I need. This is what you need. Can you please give it to me? Yes, I can. Let me figure out how I can. That's all we need. We just need to come to that conclusion. And it's, it's coming. Like, look, this is my goal for 2019. I think artists need to understand music and culture. And that's what I'm going to deliver. I'm going to invest in an orchestra in Egypt. Do you know what I mean? And I'm going to get the course. And it's already open for people to, to register for it. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, that's what I'm uh, contributing from my own idea of like thinking, okay, this is the next, this where the next step is, let me do that. In Masriat, we will incorporate the same thing because now it's like, yes, I have intermediate and, uh, you know, and uh, intermediate students who need choreographies. I'm going to make sure this choreography is on, in Masriat, but I'm also going to make sure that there is intellectual educational for higher level artists. So when they come, they come out of Masriat saying, okay, you know what, we connected, we, uh, we had business because that's another thing for my goal. My goal, I don't want Western Dancer to be a filler and festival. I do not want that. I want them to be a headliners too. I want to give opportunities for Western artists to grow and that every festival says, not just Egyptian artists that I want to hire. No, I also want to hire this because she's a headliner. It's not going to be the first. There is a few that made it that big, you know? So, but I want to make sure now that this is accessible even with Masriyat. I want to give the opportunities for that huh? and introduce them right and give that uh, perspective, you know what I mean? For them to grow. This, this is my goal. I feel like, um, you know, I'm, 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 yes, yes, I'm Egyptian, 100% Egyptian, but I'm, I also have duty for where I, where I live, you know? I feel like my duty for Western culture is I need to give what I got. I got, I was so lucky to get all this education and uh, being from the culture. And now I'm trying my best to understand how to deliver it so I can give the best for all, for everybody. You are not only beautiful dancer, so passionate about folklore, you're also a very passionate teacher. Oh, thank you. And we can even hear- I wasn't like that though. <laughs> script, uh, strict script for any interview, like I always go where flow, but I still have prepared questions. I didn't ask any of them, so I think you'll need to do one more interview <laughs> about your teaching and your approach to the school and like um, all that stuff. Uh, but before I ask you today our closing question, can you tell us please where is the best place for people to find you and follow you? 
any social media or website? What's the best way to follow your dance activities? <laughs> no, no, we are on the trend of... Uh... <laughs> I'm so bad with this stuff, but I've been told <laughs> from my PR that we have a Facebook page and we have Instagram page and we have fan page. In fact, I have so many pages on Facebook that sometimes I don't know which one should I post on. <laughs> so yeah, so you can definitely find me in, in Facebook. I'm I'm also like so open for any any questions or any concern you don't have to be my student you don't have to have ever met me I don't really I don't really care for that um, you can any question you have any concern that you have about the culture or any uh, artistic question to do with music or anything um, you'll be surprised how many people they email me I, I've never met them I don't know who they are and sometimes I, I get questions like uh, is this uh, Saidi music is this uh, you know and stuff and yes I have a very busy schedule so you just have to bear with me with uh, with the answer but I swear to God I do answer after all I listen to it and I answer the question because I always say that it's my duty to as an Egyptian artist is to be approachable without money without uh, you know, paid to for those simple questions that may help the culture not to be represented wrong. You know, so any question, any confusion, anything, just uh, feel free to just um, inbox me in the uh, Facebook and or my our email. You know, and um, I'll be more than happy to answer. You know, but just don't 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 send me a long email. I hate long emails. Absolutely hate them. <laughs> Partially because, you know, Arabic is my first language, so I'm very good in English, but speaking only, not writing, okay? So, yeah, if they if they send me questions and straight to the point, I'll, I'll be able to answer, so anytime. I'm sure you'll have a new load of homework after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's great about you, and I'll, uh, again, put all links and show notes, so for people it's easy to, to follow your activities. Uh, can you tell us approximate dates of your upcoming tour in Egypt? Yes, um, the one that is going to have the course, it's going to be the June-July one. So it's going to start the end of um, um, end of June. I'm going to get the exact date because we're booking the cruises and it, it has to follow a particular schedule for the cruise. Um, so that will be out next week, but it's June-July. So end of June uh, and July. I made it in that month as well because I wanted them to have the music course, but also have the opportunity. There's so many festivals on that month that they can go and explore different if they have a, if they want to perform and get some their CV more filled with the performance in Egypt like just give more opportunity to to be open to see more than one thing not just uh, not just the course and stuff so that's the one that it's 70% uh, sold already for 2019 so yeah okay so people don't postpone yeah. <laughs> send your requests yeah. I have a big school that's why a lot of them are from here So before I ask our final question, I just want to thank you once again to taking your time and sharing and uh, uh, it's always a pleasure to connect with you and I'm very, always. very happy, <laughs> uh, so happy that we sort of covered this very important topic of learning folklore, learning history, music. 
and at the same time being an artist who can grow in its, his or her own way yes. but based on the roots so yes. I'm very I'm yes. so happy yes. I get a chance to cover this topic with you it was completely spontaneous for me yeah. uh, I mean obviously <laughs> I knew we will talk about something about folklore yeah. knowing how passionate you are about it but uh, we went really deep and I feel it's very it's almost a lecture for dancers so <laughs> send uh, uh, if not money but at least your likes and smiles and thanks to know that's fantastic and I always close every episode on the same question and you're welcome to interpret it in your own way oh that's the tough question <laughs> <laughs> And the question is, it's simple and tough at the same time. Depends how you... How I you knew you are hiding something from me. <laughs> so the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance? And I'll add here folkloric dance again and again. So you keep doing it for so many years. Mm, that is a... Yeah, it's, it's a profound question. <laughs> profound question. Um... You know, it's, it's so easy to, um, to know it inside your heart. It's not always so easy to put it in uh, vocabulary and words, you know? Mind English words. That's another step. <laughs> so I, I have to, like, think it in Arabic, then translate it, then say it. Um, I think Oriental dance in general and, uh, and uh, folklore, for me, is an obsession with music like I feel that our music is so rich and so free it's so funny because coming from a culture that is not completely free but but wait a minute I feel we're actually way free than here than Canada you know yes listen we are sensual we are flirting we are we wear way more less clothes than, than any Canadian. Like, I feel that Egyptian dance is a trip to the soul. It's a connecting ourselves with who we are deep inside. And I feel it's like a, it's like such a comfortable stage state, not stage, state mm -hmm. in our, in our, in ourselves. I feel that when I, when I dance and it doesn't matter what character, first I get the amusement of the character itself, the living of that age, that time, that era, that character, all the stuff. But the most important thing in there is being able to be so comfortable being that person. And I feel that with our modern life in general we don't even have time to to think who we are I feel like we're always rushed to be something uh, superficially displayed and I feel oriental dance and Egyptian dance is a complete trip into our soul to discover who we are and what we are and what we want to be that's that's for me I, I feel complete when I dance, I feel complete. I feel I completely know. And I, I feel it's very similar to a lot of Egyptian dancers because I feel, I don't think I've, I've, I've ever met an Egyptian dancer that said, 
uh, oh my god, I have smaller arms, smaller butt, smaller lips, so I want a little bit here, I want a little bit there. I'm never really, I feel like they're all had that trip inside their, their body and their soul, came out and completely obsessed with who they are. And this is such a wonderful feeling. This one thing, I feel like my mission in life for, for, for recreation belly dance is to make women understand that it really, really, really does not matter what you, what you are physically. What matters is what you are inside. Is, is, is the, I'm sure you agree with me in that because I'm sure you had the same. It's absolutely beautiful. And I just was listening and thinking like, I have this idea of putting together one episode of podcast, just cutting out all answers to this question and hearing how many people said yes. so much familiar and both yes. about music but I literally was listening yesterday Julia's Farid interview and she said belly dance showed me who I am yes and now yes. listening to you <laughs> I love Julia did they say that she Julia you will hear me I love Julia we had a big conversation this time and Russ of course I love who she's growing to be I love her and it's amazing to hear the similarities and at the same time variety of things that Baladins brought to people. So yeah, what you're yeah. saying is really beautiful and very inspiring and uh, yeah. thank you for sharing. Anytime, anytime. It's my pleasure. I love, I love, I love our conversations. Fantastic. I, uh, you know, I'm very excited now to listen to everyone, every single one you recorded with others now, you know what I mean? It's really, it's really uh, exciting uh, to hear different people, especially for, for this question. Now I'm, I want you to do that one. I really would like to see what people say about that too, like that last question, you know? Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by yanadance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.